When the moon hits your eye Like a big pizza pie That's amore When the world seems to shine Like you've had too much wine That's amore for the judges and this multi-millionaire mogul now has the best kind of goal. The Thunderbird 144-8 for John Montgomery. It is Thunderbird with the Canada. Montgomery takes gold and it's good. The Caps have a 20. Oh! Bright has gone smack! Tora Bright is an Olympic gold medalist. Chuck scores! It's Pula again! Canada wins gold in overtime! Nadechka touch for the line! 121-12! What another recovery from the youngster! Oh! She's taking gold! She's taking gold! The world champion in parallel giant slalom snowboarding is in gold medal position here! Can you believe it? It is off the podium, an Olympics podcast as we bring you our regular weekly interview episode, an episode that you're always pumped and excited for on your favorite award-winning podcast. You're pumped and excited that it's Friday. I realize that it's the end of the week. You've got a weekend ready to go that you're pumped and excited for on Saturday and Sunday. But you're going to be pumped and excited for today, kicking the weekend off with a great interview. And we are going to the great sport of aerial skiing by speaking to two-time Canadian Olympian Lewis Irving, Olympic bronze medalist, won a bronze last year in Beijing as part of the mixed team aerials. Uh, And this is a great chat, learning about his great career in the sport, how he got into aerials, involves gymnastics, involves circus schools, involves a stranger coming around to his house and taking him away from his parents. Sounds a bit creepy, but you'll get that when you listen to this interview. The amount of injuries, we know obviously aerials is a very brutal sport, lots of injuries. We've had many aerial skiers over the years on this show, learning a lot about the brutality of the sport. But the fact that both Olympics that Lewis has been to, He pretty much shouldn't have been at those Olympics because he suffered pretty brutal injuries before each of the Olympics. Missed a whole bunch of time in terms of competing, particularly in the lead-up to Beijing. Somehow pulled it through and went to both of his Olympics. So a great story of perseverance and working through the pain barrier here that allowed Lewis to go to his two Olympics so far. This is a fun chat. Lewis is great, gives a lot of great insights into the sport and some great experiences that he has had across his amazing aerial skiing career. So without further ado, let's sit back, relax, and listen to our chat with two-time Olympian and Olympic bronze medalist, Lewis Irving. Always great to talk about the sport of aerials here on Off the Podium, and only the second ever Canadian aerial skier we've ever had on the show, first ever male aerial skiist we've had from Canada here on Off the Podium. Two-time Olympian, including an Olympic bronze medalist from Beijing in 2022, a six-time World Cup podium finisher, finished fifth in the World Cup overall in 2020, and the 2015 Freestyle Canada Rookie of the Year and the 2016 FIS Aerials Rookie of the year. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show, Lewis Irving. Lewis, first of all, welcome to Off the Podium. Pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, thank you, Ben. That was, uh, thanks for that intro. I, I, 
didn't know some of those stats I kind of forgotten about her. I, I didn't know the exact number of dates. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. I always like to make sure that I get everything correct. So if there's anything else you want me to add, like, uh, I don't know, are you a really good surfer? Uh, you know, a fantastic chef? Uh, I, I don't know any extra little bits that would sound really good in an intro that you could use in sort of like a show rule later on for you to promote yourself. Yeah, no, no surfing. I wish, but uh, I don't do so good in the sun, the pale skin, the red hair, but, uh, <laughs> cooking. Yeah. Chef barbecue. Um, Ooh. I got brothers and friends that are really good at it. So they've taught me and it's also something we love to do. Great. I, I, I'll, I'll read, put that in there into the intro. I was, I was thinking surfing is, are there any, is there such thing as a good Quebecois surfer? Like, I, I don't know. It's not really the hotbed for surfing in the world. I don't think is Quebec. <laughs> no, I mean, there, there's river surfing. I guess out right. there is kind of the main. Uh, <laughs> that counts, you know. There's, 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 there's somewhere out there that they're sort of like a uh, champion with that. So that you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do some research, we'll, maybe. Yeah, we'll, know. we'll figure it out and we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Come on, we've got ten years to a Brisbane Olympics in Australia, so I want to put the call out there to all Quebecois surfers that we're going to have a you know a Canadian surfer in Brisbane in 2032 from <laughs> Quebec. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That could that, that's got a nice ring to it. Yeah, like if we've got that. anything from this interview at all, Lewis, that's it. We've just discovered that in the opening minutes of this right now. <laughs> Didn't think that was going to happen on this interview, but here we are. Uh, I love the sport of aerials. You and I were talking a little bit off air. Obviously, Australia has a, a very big history connection when it comes to aerial skiing. So it's it's one of the, the many winter sports in Australia that a lot of us are quite familiar with. But we always generally in Australia have a bit of a different path into uh, aerials. Um but I love the fact that your background kind of seems to have come from almost the Australian background of, hey, you do gymnastics, come into aerial skiing. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background getting into aerial skiing. Yeah, I mean, um, growing up, I didn't even know this sport really existed, but um, my dad was a downhill skier. So he taught us, he taught me and my brothers how to ski, right? Basically, as soon as I could walk, he was like, oh, all right, let's get this guy in a pair of ski boots and get him up on the hill. Like, I think we we have pictures in family albums of uh, of my dad carrying me down the hill because I'd fall asleep after like one or two runs. I was so young, I'd fall asleep <laughs> and then he would just carry me down the hill, hand me off to my mom in the lodge and then go for, go for more runs. But um, yeah, so I grew up skiing and then trampoline obviously was the uh, the main main motivator to go into to aerials and that's what kind of that's where i found aerials um for the first time it was kind of random one of our coaches was leaving to do a to go on a, a tour with Cirque du Soleil <clears throat> and um, the person that took his place was the person that was recruiting for um the Quebec team in aerials and he was like oh so you ski you know how to flip you want to try this and i was like yeah <laughs> this this looks pretty cool and he showed up the next day at my house um, in the morning and I kind of forgot to tell my parents that this, this man was coming to pick me up. So I left with him, the stranger, and um, <laughs> uh, we went to the water ramp and he just kind of tossed me in with the national team and like very quickly introduced me as this new guy that was just coming to try out. And I'm standing there in front of all these Olympians, Olympic medalists, World Cup medalists. And I'm like, okay um hello what do we do you know and they just walked me through it did the warm-up i did, did my first flips with them that day and i was like okay i'm coming back tomorrow and uh i never never left really 12 years ago i, I i'm so intrigued the fact that 
a stranger coming to your house to pick you up and then throw you in water basically led you to becoming an Olympic medalist. Um, I, uh-huh. I don't know if that was ever quite in the strange danger talk my parents gave me, but maybe they left that bit out, I think. Well, see, I guess that's, they definitely left that bit out for me, but it worked out. So uh, we'll chalk that one up to the win, to the win column. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also believe that you did circus school. Is that correct? At, at one point, was that yeah. sort of before or after aerials? Um, so that was that was the start um, of it all. I was I had a lot of energy as a kid, so um, my parents just signed me up for kind of whatever activity there was, and um, there was this circus school, and that's where we kind of they had us doing everything. I like juggling. We do, and I was like five years old at the time, so we'd like practice juggling. We'd do a tightrope. We'd like they teach us how to be clowns, and there was also trampoline. So that's where I learned how to do trampoline. We had one at the house and then um, I kind of started doing that and got really good at it kind of quickly. Um, And then that's when my parents signed me up for trampoline specific courses. And then that led to competitions. Um, And yeah, but yeah, no, it was all because of, yeah, uh, the, the main trampoline headquarters was in the circus school was based out of the circus school. So that's where we train. And it was always, it was always so much fun because we get to train and watch all these other athletes working on their acts, like things that you wouldn't get to see. Like I did trapeze there. I did, um, teeterboard, everything, like everything you'd see in the circus, except all the animals (laughs) we got to, (laughs) we got to mess around with over there. That's Craig. I mean, I mean, I think Quebec, I think you mentioned Cirque du Soleil, obviously, and just, um, you know, the incredible thing that that's gone on to become. Because, I mean, this obviously just sounds like a an industry in itself. Like uh, in Quebec, is this just kind of something that a, a lot of kids grow up doing, going to, to circus school? It sounds magical, Lewis. I, I kind mean, of feel I need yeah. to live in Quebec. <laughs> I mean, honestly, thinking about it, yeah, it's it's definitely a big part of the of the scene in Quebec. Like if you, you're just walking around um, the city, there's, there's shows and there's always some certain acts going on and stuff like that. So I guess, yeah, it is something that's pretty, pretty known in Quebec. And I obviously because of Cirque du Soleil being originated from Montreal is kind of the, the Mecca of uh, the whole idea. Right. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I always love um, whenever we have sort of some Aussie aerial skiers on and sort of you learn about them, a lot of the time being poached from gymnastics, things like that. And then when we have gymnasts on, I always like to tell the gymnasts, like, if you've got a, an aerial skier coming to you trying to poach you, just say no and go to aerial skiing and pinch some of them because we don't really have the success in gymnastics that we do in aerial skiing. So, like, is, is there a level of – that's obviously happening a little bit there with the poaching, but, I mean, Canada does all right in the gymnastics, so I don't really think you need to do too much of that. But uh, what are, can, can we get, like, a treaty going on somewhere with gymnastics and aerial skiing to, like, have a middle ground? He stop stealing each other's athletes. Yeah, I mean, we 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 let we usually take them older though, so we let them do their whole gymnastics career, and then we we like to poach them when they're around, when they're a little more mature. Yeah, they're, they're ancient by the time they're about eighteen, right? They're a veteran then. Well, like. for, for, for gymnastics, they are. For aerials, it's perfect, right? They're just starting out. Yeah, just get that age right there. But sort of you mentioned before, obviously, uh, your dad, uh, I believe he was Paralympian, um, alpine skiing. So was that mm-hmm. sort of when you were skiing as a kid? was this something that you sort of looked at? Like, I love this maybe in Olympics, like were you sporty in other areas or maybe like an Olympics was something that you looked at as a child? I mean, yeah. I mean, sports were always big 
um, in our family growing up and the Olympics were something that we always watched and that uh, we, we all got really into. But um, no, growing up, I did downhill skiing um, kind of until I was 13 years old. And I wasn't really good at it. I wasn't that fast, probably because I didn't really train. And all I wanted to do was I'd like run off and go ski the woods or jump off cliffs and jump off the jumps that they put up. So um, no, I think it, it was pretty, it was pretty obvious um, from an early age that I would be, if I, if I was going to be doing any Olympic sport, it would be some sort of freestyle um, sport. Going along that way, which yeah. when you combine the two, I mean, on paper, it seems easy. You, you can flip, you can go on a trampoline, you can do that. You can ski. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a perfect combination for somebody like myself who has no skills in that area at all. Lewis, is it that simple? Like you've got, you've got skis on your feet. You can do a flip. Um, do you remember sort of your first couple of jumps that you were doing? Oh yeah. I remember. I think I remember all my first, first tries. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's something that obviously growing up with that background, I was able to kind of work my way into um, fairly easily and quickly, but also um, it has a lot to do with the fact that, and I I am able to say this now, I didn't think it was the case as a kid, but uh, I thought I just had a really kind of slow progression. Um, What I thought was really slow and I was, I wanted to always do more and do more flips, but um, it's such a, right. It's such like a technical and such a difficult sport that you kind of have to go slow at it. And by going slow, you get, you like, you master the step you're doing before moving on. Mm-hmm. So therefore, as soon as you go to move on, you usually, you usually get it like first try and it goes pretty well. And it's only like, you'll start, obviously you miss or whatever. Um, but usually the first few attempts go really well because you've done all that work before. And you don't just get thrown into it and, oh, okay, here, first day, go do a triple backflip with five twists. Like, and even then, I remember as a kid, the first first time I ever watched this sport live on snow, um, I remember telling my teammate, I looked at, at her at the time, and I was like, I never, I would never, these guys are crazy. Why would we ever do this? Like, why would we do three flips on snow? I keep seeing these guys fall. Like, this is ridiculous. Why would they do this? And... Yeah, I think it was like six years later. I was doing the same thing, and it didn't feel it didn't feel crazy at all. It was yeah. like, yeah, all right, I'm I'm ready for this. I want to try this. Um, it's stressful for sure. It's scary, but what I'm doing now is kind of it's getting kind of boring. <laughs> I want to do more, so this is what I got to do. Um, other people have done it before me, so I know it can be done. All right, let's give it. Let's give her a go. You know. Yeah. But, um, no, it's definitely yeah. It's such a such a technical sport that really the progression aspect is what makes it possible. Even because without it, you like you have to be so technically sound that the little aspects of what we need to do to be able to do the tricks we're doing now, and like especially where this sport has come, where like multiple variations of triple backflips with five twists. Like the only way you're gonna get that done is if you're doing it like very very cleanly um so yeah <laughs> it's it is insane sort of the progression of sport like aerials because i mean if you're looking at the 100 meter sprint what's the progression in that you got to go faster basic principle there uh and a lot of sports where it's at whereas a sport that's yeah so technical like aerials it's always i can imagine pushing the boundary seeing what the peak of the sport is and how you can mm-hmm. 
improve that and just going through there, which it must make it for such an interesting progression. As you were saying, you start off right off the bat looking at these people. Wow, I'm never going to do that. You're eventually doing that. But that mentality of always wanting to push yourself to the next one, to the next one. And as soon as you achieve the quad or, you know, the, the third mm-hmm. one after that, you're like, what's next basically. So it's, you're always, I can imagine thinking two steps ahead while working on what you're working on at the same time. Oh, exactly. And like you, you really like you hit the nail right on the head there. It's thinking about where you want to get to. And that's why you got to do the work at this point so well, because because at the end of the day, you don't want to have to come back and try to fix bad habits and try to, you know, rework things that like relearn things in a different way where, where like so much of it is based on muscle memory that if you develop the wrong pattern or, or whatever, then it's really hard to come back and fix that. And then, and then progress from there. You, you mean sort of, that area when you came into the sport at, at your age, if I'm doing my sums correctly here, Lewis, with your age and that period, sort of around about Vancouver 2010. So I, I can imagine that there was a bit of, you know, push into a lot of Olympic sports kind of then. So what was kind of the program like when you were entering it around then? Because Canada, very successful <laughs> in aerials, but, you know, until, and we'll talk about it, 2022, had sort of had a bit of a drought when it came to winning a medal in the Olympics in either male or female aerials. But I mean, sort of when you yeah. entered it, was it sort of up and coming? Was there a lot of money going into it because of the Vancouver Olympics? How was that seen then? Um, so ba- yeah, it's, it's great question because it's changed a lot. And I think we've, we've changed for the better, which is amazing. Um, but no, it was really, so there was a lot of money put in for the Vancouver 2010 games. And then, um after that is they kind of had there was a drought and even in terms of athletes so much money was put in to build these this specific group of athletes to be olympic medalists um for these 2010 games that they kind of forgot about all the recruitment process of it all so what happened was when i came in i was basically alone and i had there was one two other athletes that were my age that were kind of starting and doing the same thing everyone else was already either really late in their career or kind of at the like at their peak and they had probably one more olympics left so that was a that that was a special dynamic um in itself just because you had such a big disparity between the level of talent in the team and then trying to get the proper coaching and then all that was difficult because you know you're so used to working with these athletes who are now 28 30 years old and have been doing this for so long whereas you got to find a way to mix them in with these 14 year olds that have never done this before right mm. um so that that was kind of a that was a, a challenge but and then what happened after that was even leading in to Vancouver or to Sochi we only sent one athlete because wow. everyone from the 2010 program had retired and the people left like it, it was such a small team left like we some people unfortunately got injured and there was just like a little bit of bad luck through it all but still it just made it that we there was so little depth in our team that we only sent one person and then 2018 we did a little better whereas we had um three athletes and uh, kind of the same thing. A couple of people got hurt, which is why they kind of didn't go. But then from there is kind of when 
there was a big push um, and the coaching staff changed after that. And so people in charge of the recruitment process and all that kind of thing was changed. And we focused a lot more on the whole younger generation and the, the development team and the up and coming athletes that were kind of making their way. Because at that point, after 2018, I was the only one left from the 2010 wow. era. Jeez. So yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. That's insane. It was, yeah, so fast. We went from like having a full team and then eight years, one, one person. And now we're back to having a stacked full team. And these kids are very young, but very, very, very good. Like the guys that we have coming up right now, even like we have girls that are coming up that we haven't had decent girls in so long. Um, and now we have like Marianne who's podium who like won a world cup her first ever year on the world cup tour, which is like unheard of. So like our, our development athletes are, I mean, I, they're not even development athletes anymore. Really. They're, <laughs> they're top level, right? They're, they're top tier competition. It's crazy to think about, but like, I think about the competition we had yesterday here on the water ramp and Mia won and like Mia, he turned 18 this summer has been jumping amazing. And like, it was only a matter of time before he was going to win a big, a big event like that, even if it's just on the water ramp. But like, I remember his first jumps on the water ramp. Like I remember he, he we had to hold his life jacket for him to make it down the ramp because he was too small to actually jump turn <laughs> and ski down. And wow. now, like I have, and now I have an Olympic medal with him. It's like, so it's crazy. Um, yeah. All the work that was done and just like, the mentality shift of where we're going to kind of spend more, most of our funding um, just works way better now. And we have way more results to show for it. So it's, it's fascinating to hear that because I remember as a kid, when I would watch, you know, I remember watching Nagano, Salt Lake city and you're watching Australia and our rivals in aerial skiing always seemed to be, Canada and, and, you know, Belarus, uh, you know, China, uh -huh. Russia, sort of all these countries that still to this day, but it's sort of, it always has fascinated me that Canada sort of then seemingly dropped off a little bit. And then when we obviously get to the, the medal win in Beijing, the fact that that was a, a 20 year drought in the sport of aerials, because it's just one of those sports to me that I just always associate Canada with being one of the best in the world at. And it's just, it's crazy to think that there was sort of that period where it kind of seem to fall away for a little bit and but obviously the good news is is now that as you're saying mm -hmm. it's sort of changing for the better yep totally yeah and um yeah i mean unfortunately we we don't have that many olympic medals but like we do have a lot of uh there, like we've had a lot of very very good athletes um that have just not performed what it counted the most you know like i think i can think of a lot of like even my coach, Jeff Dean, who finished fourth at the Olympics, who was like had multiple um, World Cup medals or some people like Steve Omishal, who like dominated the World Cup tour for years. And then just when it mattered the most, you know, couldn't put it down. It's like that's how crazy our sport is. It all comes down to one split second decision yeah. 
that either make make or break your jump, right? So, and it's that cycle, being, isn't it? Where it's 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 mm-hmm. unfortunately a lot of the time for the funding and everything, it it does border down to Olympic results. I mean, you could be the best in the world for a, a three and a half year cycle and and win everything, but then all of a sudden you finish fourth in the Olympics when the majority of Canada's watching it just it, and it doesn't translate then, does it? To kind of what you need to do to get that extra funding for the next cycle. Yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. Um, everything is really based on the medals and the results at on the biggest stage. And it just, yeah, it's, it has, you know, it has just like, it has a, um, like a boomerang or a catapulting effect on the next four years for kind of everybody for whether it be the, the top team or all the way down to like the club teams and the, the like little, you know, provincial circuits and those teams, right? Like, if if more money gets put into the the top federation then it's easier for them to take care of events and put on all these things that at the end of the day help feed the 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 younger kids into our sport yeah it's it's sort of the trickle down effect and everything kind of that, mm-hmm. that goes with that you sort of mentioned sort of post vancouver and and sending one athlete to sochi i mean you make your world cup debut basically what a season after sochi so was it essentially Obviously, qualifying, you don't have the points to go there, but was there a chance that if things had gone with the program that you could have gone a year earlier? I mean, was, was Sochi ever an idea that you could have gone or was the age just maybe a bit of a factor in the experience that that was never realistic? Yeah, no, I'd, Sochi would have been, uh, that would have been quick because I was like, I was just starting to do my first my first triples that year, I think. So, I mean, to, to do it, um, yeah, I was four years into the sport, so. That would have been a, a quick progression. It's been done. It's been done. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, I was always I was more aiming for the uh, the 2018 games, and even that, um, even that was kind of me being optimistic and um, just wanting more, and like you know, not settling for having to wait another full four years. But they usually say that in our sport, anyways, it takes about an average of 10 it takes on average like 10 years for um a male athlete to uh, get to olympic level where where he's considered like he has a chance at winning a medal or something which is i mean that's kind of why australia has not put any money into the um into the male side of aerials just because they don't want to they think it's too long to mm. take like to take an athlete it takes them too long to get them to that level and they just don't want to fund it for that long. Um, so they'd Which rather just, I mean, look, you know, yeah, if they're listening, I mean, uh, I'm 35, uh, probably 45 is probably a bit too old to do it, but I'm, I'm always open to possibilities. If, uh, you know, they want to stick I a mean, man back in the aerials, why not? You know, there's, there's, there's a water amp in Brisbane. Now I'm sure you could yep. go down yep. there and yeah, they, they'd let you, they'd let you hit it and you could probably get a, get a flip off. Yeah, I could we probably... Co- we could coach you up try. to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd appreciate that. I, I mean, it's the goal. Uh, my state I'm from, uh, Lewis, Tasmania, is the only state of territory in Australia that's never had a Winter Olympian. So, you know... Well, there um, you go. Got to create history I mean, sometime, right? Listen, we there was a site worker in Kazakhstan who's never never flipped and has never done any of that in his life. He's not an acrobat. He's not an... Not an, I mean, he... He was an athlete, like you said. He played soccer, and he was like, he was a sporty dude, but <laughs> not in the backflippy type of way. 
And uh, he watched us do it for a week. And he would stand next to our coaches and listen to every single thing they said. And he'd stare at us and visualize. He'd do the same things we did. And at the end of the week, I saw him and he had a helmet on and he took one of the skis from one of the girls on the Kazakh team. And we're like, he's not really, he's not really going to do this. Like he's not really thinking about this. And someone came up, he's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to do it. He's going to hit the double because on a world cup site, most of the time, there's not the single kicker that like mm -hmm. the little kids start on. There's only the double kicker or the triple kicker. And we're like, okay. So we kind of, <laughs> I go to talk to him and he's like, he, talks me through his whole plan and his whole idea and i'm like yeah it kind of makes sense and he's showing me that he can do the right things so at the end of wow. it, like i just I, yeah i talked him through it i was like listen buddy just don't do anything more or anything less than exactly <laughs> what we tell you and you'll be fine and that's what he did and he was a, totally fine he did per like he just did two backflips landed perfectly skied all the way down and like it was crazy. I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that some random dude just showed up to a World Cup you site. inspiration. He's on it and did it. He you did it. inspiration. So, okay. It's wow. doable. Yeah. It's doable. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Again, I, I'm getting lots of from this interview, you know, Quebec surfers and, and possibly an Olympic debut in 10 years. So, you know, uh, I, I've got some work to do basically after this. So thank you for that. Um. So obviously, though, from that period uh, before we get to Pyeongchang, uh, you know, you, you go on the World Cup stage, you, you do all right, you you win the NORAM, get a couple of uh, rookies of the year, all that kind of stuff that leading up to 2018. So going back to that notion of you're always striving for that next thing to achieve, personally for yourself, setting yourself that goal for 2018, were you really feeling that vibe with the results you were getting in the lead up to that season of qualifying that this is now a possibility? I, I'm looking likely that this Olympic dream could all of a sudden be coming true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was because like the, especially because we qualify the year of and the year before the Olympics is kind of how our qualification process works. They take results um, from those years and they stack them against all the other freestyle disciplines. And they send the, I think at that point, it was the 25 best Canadian athletes for those disciplines. Um, so, yeah, I was like, okay, there's, I got a shot at this. We can do this um, until, <laughs> until we got to Deer Valley. And um, it was a good day. I was jumping really well, made finals, and then get to finals training. I did two jumps in finals training, and then it started – like snowstorm like oh. just dumping snow couldn't see like we couldn't see the jump from the top of the end run we just kind of knew it was there between the red <laughs> lines of paint and we're like all right um i guess i'll start from here maybe i don't know so we had like people in the in the end run just kind of raking the whole thing trying to get as much but it's like they couldn't nothing you could do was working there's like so much snow coming down i was like all right well I'm going to try it. I'm just, I'm going to hit it. And then um, I went and I, I did what we call a buckle. So when you come in really forward and then your knees just buckle into your chest. And then when I finished my first flip where you usually get to look at the ground, I finished twisting so late that I, I didn't get to see the ground. So then I got lost and then 
I'm 60 feet in the air. I have no idea where the ground is. I mean, I know the ground's below me. I don't know how far away it is. Um, <laughs> so I was just like, I just remember I'm in the air just trying to get the trick done. And then I, um, yeah, I finished the trick expecting to land on my face because it was like snowing. I was like, for sure, I'm slow. For sure, I'm going to land on my face. This is going to suck so bad. This is going to suck. And I remember just finishing the trick, opening up, and then I probably had 15 feet left to fall. And uh, I just, I remember thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to knock myself out here. And I just, I hit the ground, bounced back up and fell down. I was like, oh, wait, I'm okay. I'm alive. I can breathe. I'm awake. Okay. And I went to stand up and I couldn't walk properly. So I was like, oh, there's something wrong with my hip. Then the PT came down, tried to look at my hip. And then anyways, that I didn't end up jumping again that day. And then we flew to Korea for the test event the next day. And then, so I went there, got an MRI and the doctor at the hospital <laughs> asked me if I'm a, I got hit by a car. I was oh, like, no, wow. no, no. I just fell skiing. <laughs> like, Oh, well, it, because what happened was my pelvis. Yeah. Like my, my, uh, yeah, my hip bones weren't even anymore. Everything was shifted. And then wow. I tore my labrum, tore my groin. Um, so I couldn't compete the rest of that season, but then, so I went back home and I was like, okay, well, what do we do? And they're like, well, you need surgery. I was like, okay, well, how long's like the rehab for that? And they're like, oh, nine months minimum. And I was like, oh, well, that means I can't, like, that means I got no shot at the Olympics. Like I can't qualify for it. Like, yeah, no, you, that wouldn't work. So I was like, well, how about we just don't do the surgery yet? I try to jump on this for a year and try to qualify. And if it works, then we'll do it. If not, then I'll get surgery during the Olympics or whatever. Like, yeah, sure. We'll see, <laughs> see what happens. And then first event, um, first event that year, 2018, I, I podiumed, uh, like I got my first ever bronze medal, first world cup podium. And then that kind of quote that kind of official, like made my game spot official. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess we're not doing the surgery in February. We just gotta find a way to find a way to make it to that. So, yeah, that was kind of a wild, um, wild ride. That's going insane. into that one. Mm. Yeah, which how like so many questions on that, Lewis. Like the yeah. pain, the the advice. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine you've got doctors saying like, "No, don't do it. You could fuck it up even more, and basically never ski yeah. again. Maybe not even walk again." I mean, how how do you deal with that? everything that would be going on there just to have a shot at going to your first olympics yeah i mean yeah it sucked it sucked really bad every landing was just horrible like just fucking hurt but no i had the conversation with the doctors and we just they're like um well basically yeah i could have made it worse and fucked it up more but they were like at the end of the day, we're going in there to fit, like we're going in there anyways. So what they were more worried about was me messing up something else. Um, mm. More like usually specifically my other knee um, from favoring it, landing that high, twisting and all that. They're like, dude, you're going to blow your knee. And I was like, look, as long as I land square and do that, then I won't, you know? Not as much as like I don't. I'm not as much as I would have last year or next year. You know, like, like yeah, fair enough. So they're basically they said okay, but as soon as we see you start favoring your other leg, 
whether it be in the gym, jumping, day to day, like anything, we're pulling you. And I was like, all right, deal. So I just like, yeah, just suck it up and got through it. And I mean, I had a really, really, really good team of like PT, um, like physical therapists around us and like our trainer um, that I still work with. Um, he was amazing. And so he was like really key and just making like I just had all my exercises that I made sure I did all these little things that we knew helped and that would kind of help alleviate the pain a little bit then we just like we would do that all the time and we just like stayed on top of everything that we needed to do in the gym like travel days were terrible so we like I would get PT treatments in the airport lying down on the floor and he would like (laughs) work on my hip and two people would walk by and I was like okay what are you guys wow. doing Jeez. but um yeah because it's such a, a balance i can imagine because you're working so hard to get to an olympics and any athlete would obviously know that a window of an olympics is very small so while the smart thing for most people might be to eh, i can skip this one go towards the next one you're not even guaranteed then, particularly with your sport, with the amount of injuries that can yeah, come with it. So no. it's kind of, if you've got that tiny sniff, if somebody says to you 5% chance, yep, you could do this and then we'll get the surgery afterwards, I can imagine you've pretty much got to take it. It could be your only shot at an Olympic Games. Oh, yeah, no, and that's a, and that's something as like in aerials, as a, like athletes, we talk about it all the time because like none of us are ever feeling a hundred percent like something always hurts something's always messed up like but you you can't you can't stop because of that because if not you would never do it you know like it's such a brutal sport that if you're not ready to deal like if you're not ready to accept the fact that you're gonna get you're gonna get fucked up like it's gonna suck (laughs) sometimes but the ones that you like the times that it's good are worth it like trust me it's great um but like it's just not gonna work so like we talk about it and we're like yeah dude it's just it's part of it it's part of the game being being hurt and getting through it is just part of the sport we do and you just yeah you suck it up you get it done and then you go home and you have a beer with the boys and that's it worry about the medical uh damage you know when you retire basically and and see what you have to do then which i mean it's it's a weird (laughs) comparison to kind of make this but it's kind of like when you hear emergency service workers talk about what they've got to deal with every single day. And a lot of the time, you know, they're dealing with death and tragedy every day, but they sort of got to make light of it because this is literally their job for everybody else who doesn't mm-hmm. deal with that. We're going like, how do you deal with that? For me, I'm mm-hmm. not an athlete. I, I, you know, bend my fingernail and I stay in bed for a week, you know? So like, I can't imagine <laughs> what that's like. So it's kind of, you do have that mentality where, as you're saying, it's a sport where, part of the game you've just kind of got to you know push through it and again particularly you've got these olympic rings dangling in front of you going lewis here you go you got your ticket yeah, to korea exactly. you're just gonna suck it up yeah. a bit more mate <laughs> yeah exactly like come on do it all your family's gonna come with you they're gonna hang out in korea come on man get there suck it up <laughs> trip to korea four years time they're not yeah. even gonna show up they're not allowed yeah. to be. there'll be something happening in, in four years time which does that then shift yeah, your focus so you get to the games like obviously you've podium still with this injury so i don't know if like initially you'd gone into these this olympic cycle thinking medals are a real shot or anything like that but does how do you then your mindset you're going to korea do you go into it still with oh i got a podium when i'm injured i could still do this or i just want to finish i want to make the finals like does that shift what you want to achieve at those olympics 
Yeah, I mean, going into that one was, I mean, I knew I was young and kind of early in my career. So the, 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 the original goal was kind of just, even at the start, was just kind of to make finals there and get the experience and um, kind of go, go for it that way. Just because I didn't, have a, I didn't have the tricks I thought I needed to actually win the thing. Um, back then just with how world cups are different the format's different you don't need as many different variations of tricks um in a world cup whereas at the olympics you need more you need three different like high scoring tricks um so yeah i was really more going for the the experience um more than anything else at that point but then again that being said aerials is like it's the kind of sport where once you make finals, like in that top 12, anything can happen. Like it can be, it's such a, it's such a cutthroat sport. Like everything happens so quick that, you know, the favorite can have, make a bad decision, get a gust of wind, like anything. It could be something random and then he doesn't make it in. And that just opens up the whole event. Right. And it's like any, it's just, it's the kind of sport that once you get to that top 12, really, anyone can win at any on any given day. And it's also the sport where I love it, the fact that technically in the back of your mind, you're also hoping a lot of your competitors fail. It's it's kind of, it's, you know, I know you're all I friends mean, and you're buddy, yeah, but like, secretly you're at the bottom of the hill going, come on, fuck up, fuck up, fuck up, fuck up. Well, that, <laughs> see, that's, that's the crazy thing because, like, not really because, <laughs> like, everyone, because you know how bad it is when you fuck up. So, like... Ugh. There's a part you of you, Luke. Come on, you can't tell me if you're in the gold medal spot with three other uh, athletes coming no, to you at the Olympics with that close to in a medal. Come on, guys, one crash, give me a half a point deduction so I can stay in a medal position here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, all right, how about you bend your knees a little yeah. on this one? You know, how about how about you puck just a little bit here? You can just land a it tiny just, bit. Just don't be as clean as I was. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. You know? No injuries. We're not. We're wishing, not wishing death no, on no, people no. here, but it's just like no, you no. know. <laughs> it's kind of like oh, when people yeah, go to a car sure. race and they like secretly want oh, to watch crashes. Sure. You know, it's no, like you know that's. I mean, that's why people come watch us. Yeah. Well, that's that why is... they come watch us. They Sick want people. to see the carnage. They want to yep. see <laughs> crashes. They want to see people come down from sixty feet and hit snow and then bounce down the hill. Like it's yeah. crazy. People people cheer more when you get up from a crash than when you land a jump. You get wow. the like, ooh, the whole, you hear it. As soon as you hit the ground, you get the whole crowd go, ooh, and then you stand up and they go, ah! Sometimes you get up and wave, right? You're not carried off oh, and yeah, they put a sheet like, over you or something. Then you just go, no, okay. No, no. This, this this is a good thing. I, I mean, one thing I also love hearing, <laughs> we'll talk obviously about sort of what happened there in Pyeongchang, but Olympic experiences, soaking up the atmosphere. Clearly, Pyeongchang ended up being quite a different Olympics to Beijing with everything that happened in the world after Pyeongchang. But did you get to do things like the opening ceremony? You know, you're walking around the village, bumping into big name athletes, things like that, and just soaking up everything that an Olympics brings? Yeah, so Pyeongchang was amazing for that especially we competed um on the fifth day right so i had nine days after that of just kind of getting to do anything i want like we got to go watch any sport i was so many hockey games like we would just go there watch hockey games i went to see curling like so many sports that i would never think to go watch or like never have the opportunity really to go see that we could go watch so 
yeah, that was amazing. And then in the village, um, it was just, everything was just kind of designed for everyone to socialize and kind of hang out. Like there was this room with probably a hundred, 200 massage chairs, um, just all spread out. And then just a bunch of TV screens with all the sports going on at all times, just on. And you would just go sit there and get, (laughs) sit in the massage chair and watch anything. Like it was, everything was just so cool. And like, we got to, yeah, we obviously got to go out and party and like live the whole post Olympic, uh, experience and, uh, celebration. So that was, that was a lot of fun too, but, uh, not that it's definitely definitely something that um it's a little unfortunate and i think that people that only went to beijing missed out and i hope they i hope everyone who only came to beijing sticks around and comes back for another one gets to hang out in italy because that should be that one should be a good time it's so fascinating hearing just sort of the, the discrepancies because sort of particularly so we say with the summer athletes, a lot of people say who went to Rio were like, well, Rio was a weird Olympics, but then obviously Tokyo and, and clearly how much had changed between Tokyo and then Beijing in terms of sort of the restrictions mm-hmm. and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating kind of hearing the the differences because again, you have, you can have no idea of knowing that, oh, soak up Pyeongchang because in four years time, exactly. we're not going to be able to do any of this shit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All of this is going to be banned. We're going to, yeah, no. Yeah, um, it's crazy to think how that. You ultimately, obviously, don't make the final. Twenty fourth overall. I, I mean, given the injury, everything. I can imagine you leave only hungrier, going like, okay, well, great experience. I've been to an Olympics, but this is only going to make me push towards the next one and go even better. I can imagine. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it was it was the perfect motivator um, for the year off that I was about to take, right? Because I had to go and get I got my surgery uh, I think it was in March so pretty yeah pretty quickly after the games and then just started my rehab from there um, and that was long <laughs> it was a nine month in the gym every day and anyone who knows me knows that the gym is not my favorite aspect <laughs> of our sport at all at all I've, I mean I've learned to like it more now that I I can see what it brings and kind of the only way I can the only way you can put your body through that is by doing the work outside of the, the ski hill and all that. But um, yeah, no, that was definitely made me, gave me the best motivation to go into the nine months of just relearning everything. Right. Like it was, it was a pretty, I mean, it wasn't a crazy big surgery, but it was still like um, the kind where I wasn't allowed to, you know, get, have any impact. Like I was, I was allowed, I was allowed to walk, but no running, no jumping, no nothing, none of that for like six months before I was wow. even allowed to take both to leave the ground with both feet at the same time. So that was long. Um, but it's that it was, mentality too. You're so used to doing oh, something yeah. that gets taken away from you. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, and even especially like because you're in the gym and you're doing things and you, you feel like you're kind of getting stronger, but then having that limitation and like all those rules around, no, you can't do this. And at the same time, it's like, I was getting told you can't do this. You can't do that. But it was all people I trusted and that I had to like put, like I have a lot of faith in. um, And I know that really want the best for me and like them for them, it's almost as painful as it is for me to not compete. And like for, for them, 
to, for me to be with them and not out on the road competing, like hurts them more than I've, yeah. I've like, I've, I've learned to see, which is, yeah, which is cool. So I had all these people. I was like, all right, so I got to trust you. But at the same time, like, I don't know. How about I just like test it out? They're like, no, don't test it out. You'll make it worse. And then it was like, I was like, ah, all right, I'll take your word for it. I don't like. And I can it. imagine like, too, like if you're not a rule that. follower too, Lewis. Like some no, of us aren't rule all. followers, <laughs> right? So you're just like, fuck, oh, no. No, this won't matter. I can get away with this. Yeah. So no, that was. Um, but it was an interesting year. Yeah, I ended up. I worked. I got a job. So that was the first kind of official. Uh, Real, what did you do? Real, what real what job does an I, Olympic I, aerial skier go and get? Do you just go to Walmart I, or something? Like, what do you do? <laughs> no, I was a I worked as a waiter in the in the bar in Quebec, one wow. of like the bigger, the biggest like nightclub bar type restaurants. Nice um, in the city. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. So I just yeah. like got to do something really different, and it was great because it kind of it changed my mind like got my mind off things a little bit right and it was i got to do something um that for it was so different so new that it was like really challenging for me at first and being as competitive as i am i like i wanted to be really good and i wanted to <laughs> you know prove myself quickly and so that was yeah i, I ended up uh, i worked there for yeah a year and uh, everyone was sad when i left it was it was a good time but uh yeah, do, you, do you get recognized and get more tips? Like, I'm an Olympic aerial nah, skier, give me more money? <laughs> no, it's a funny story. Actually, one time there was a, there was an event going on, um, some group, forget what what uh, company or it was, but they sponsored an Olympic athlete. So he was there um, as a speaker for, the, for that night. But so I'd been like, waiting on them for probably an hour hour and a half at this point and then he goes and then the the guy on stage goes to introduce him and like oh so we have a, an olympian here with us today um i'd like to welcome alex harvey to the stage and then he walked up to the stage but then i turn around and there was another <laughs> mogul skier phil marquis who was just having dinner with some friends and then when he heard oh we have an olympian here he's like oh who is it? So he walked in. And at that point, we were laughing and Alex got on stage. He's like, oh, so I just realized there's three Olympians in here. <laughs> One of them has been serving you guys food for the last hour. Uh, yeah, so that was... <laughs> wow. That's like this that little reunion basically going on there. Yeah, it's like exactly. A Olympic, that's, that's hilarious. That's so funny. I mean, obviously in that period, I mean, you have your surgery. You come back, get a couple of podium finishes uh, when you get back to the World Cup. As I said at the beginning, you end up fifth overall in the World Cup in 2020. But then you have another injury i believe you, you had to sit out the uh the the season before the the beijing olympics what happened with that one and how were you thinking shit this just this never ends why does this always happen in this period of the four-year cycle have, have this happen at the beginning not at the end yeah i mean yeah it sucked and i remember i kept doing interviews going into the season and i was like so it's so different the last time man your feet you're a hundred percent your body's great like i was like yeah man this is great you know and then like in Ruka first event no so what happened was um we had done our training camp in Ruka where the first first event of the season was jump for three weeks it went really well I was like jumping better than I had the year before I was really happy really confident going into the the competition and then 
we get there first day of official training for the week of the event and um they kind of it was just the site was set up weird or whatever and there was a fence where there shouldn't be a fence and there was a snow pile at an area where we usually break like because we do speed checks so before hitting the jump for the first time you just ski past it and then stop next to the jump and then there's a speed trap that tells you how fast you were going and that's how we kind of decide where we're going to start from for the day and then kind of go from there so i did my speed check and then when i went to break there was a snow pile there so i didn't have enough room and like everyone was hitting the snow pile and like wiping out and i was like i'm not trying to wipe out and be full of snow so i just like kind of hit the snow pile and then tried to shoot the gap between the snow and the fence but I hit the fence and my ski oh. stayed caught and then I twisted my knee and I tore my MCL. Um, Ouch. Yeah. And I, right away, I, right away, I, I hit, I fell, I fell on it. And then I look, I turned around, I looked up, I stood up and then I like, I knew it was fucked. I knew it. I heard it. Like I felt it twist and I heard it pop. And everyone who's ever told me they've, blown their ACLs like yep I felt it pop I heard it I heard it and I'm like mm. that's the pop they're talking about and I was like oh man no way so that's <laughs> not that's now like, yeah so I just kind of walked away to the side of the site and go like laid in the snow my coach was like already right next to he's like dude I was like yep it's so like I'm done it's over it's uh. over he's like no dude don't maybe not I was like no trust me man I know this is done. This ain't like, we're done. And he's like freaking out. And then, so the PT comes over and he checks my knee and he's like, I was like, dude, I felt it twist and I heard it pop. Like for sure it's gone. Like my ACL is for sure gone. And he's like, ah, dude, maybe not. He's like, anyone else who would have told me that I'd be like, yep, you're done for the season. It's out. But he's like, you, your knees are so like hypermobile already. Like all my ligaments were already like, they're all solid, but they, they, there's a lot of give. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just always been a thing. And so he's like, yeah, so maybe, you know, it could be something else. I was like, okay. But then that gave, I was like, maybe he's right. <laughs> so <laughs> Little motivation. The, clicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, all right. Maybe he's right. So I walked back to the hotel room. They finished training. The doctor and my coach came into my room. And then at that point I was like, dude, I'm fine. Like, look at this. And then I was doing single legs, full like pistol squats on my leg. And the doctor was like, What? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, dude, I'm fine. Look. And then he's like, look. And then he's like starts poking at it. He's like, how's that feel? I was like, well, not great, but not that bad. And he's like, no way. And then so he checks with the um like the you know, the machine they use for the Obviously. pregnant lady. Yeah, the ultrasound. So he checks with the ultrasound and then he looks and he's like, ooh, yeah, your MCL is not looking very good at all. He's like, oh, let's check your other knee just to compare, you know? I was like, all right. So he looks, he's like, how's this knee? I was like, this knee's fine. This knee is like, it had a li- I've had a little issue with it, but like I did a lot of work in the gym and like, <laughs> perfect. No issues now. And then he looks at me, he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, why? He's like, because this knee is way worse than the one you just uh. fucked up. So I was like, oh. So at that point, he was like, so, so I was like, so you're telling me I'm not going to miss the Olympics? He's like, yeah. I mean, you're probably not jump again until the Olympics, but you'll probably make it for that. I was like, this sucks. 
this really sucks, but okay. All right, like, wow. This is at least we got a little bit of there's a little bit of hope here. It's not completely gone. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. That's insane. So, but with you sort of mentioned obviously with the qualifying that kind of it's a two season cycle. So mm-hmm. at that point, had you done enough that you were obviously then qualified? So you knew you were going to Beijing as long as Canada selected you to go. Yeah. So I was already, um, I I was already one of the. I think there's four of us in all of freestyle that were pre-qualified from the year before. Like basically, what everything we had done that year, the year before the games guaranteed us our spot for the Olympics, all we had to do um, was one top 20 result at a World Cup before before the games, just to be just as a like you're competing thing or whatever, just like kind of. Um, but there was also an injury clause which said that if an athlete missed more than 50% of the the competitions um, the year of the Olympics due to injury or illness, then you could use a hundred percent of the results of last year and not, you wouldn't need that top 20 from this year. So I was like, so as soon as, cause at first I was like, Ooh, maybe I'm going to have to, you know, come back for the world cup right before maybe just do doubles or basic triples and like try to squeeze out a top 20 and get that, you know, get that result and then get that, official qualification spot but then i think it was the our high performance director he's like he called me he's like lewis no that's a terrible idea man there's an injury clause you're fine just go to the gym do what you need to do to come back healthy like don't try to come back too fast and make it worse like we need you for these olympics like come on man just go home and do your do your shit in the gym with joe and i was like okay but um so we did that and i think i ended up jumping Counting the contest days and the training at the Olympics, I jumped 17 days last year. Wow. Gee, wow. And which, as in a sport, which <laughs> it's all about that consistency in doing it's it. It's like, all that's about numbers. Yeah. Not a great lead into an Olympics, I can imagine. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, it was all, it was all really just, at that point, it was like confidence in the work I had done before and just like, trusting that we had done enough in the summer and the years leading up that I was going to be ready and that, you know, I would do what I needed to do as as quickly as I would need to do it. Like there was no room for, for for any off days or any like, uh, you know what, today, maybe I'm not going to do it or uh, not (laughs) Not feeling it. It was like, no, dude, I'm jumping. Yeah, I'm telling you oh, now, yeah, like, Milan's got to be third time lucky for just the fact you can have an Olympics where you got no injuries, like no clouds like this, right? Like, come on, that's, that's <laughs> what that's that's what I'm going for. That's what we're hoping. But if it doesn't happen, at least we're at least we're ready for. Yeah, ah, you'll be you have a broken neck, you'll be missing an arm, and you know, this is fine, stick it back on, we'll get this done after 2020. Come on, we'll figure it out exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll get a bit of get a bit of tape, that'll be that'll be fine. Which, I mean, it's just insane. Do you think, in terms of, I mean, you'd experienced this before going into Pyeongchang, so when you go into Beijing and you'd had such a good, obviously, season prior to this. Again, similar question I asked before, does it change the mindset? It's a second Olympics this time around. Like, I mean, do you then go into this going, I still want a medal, fuck this, I'm going to do it? Or is it a case of, well, let's get through this one and look towards 2026? Yeah, no, this one was definitely, uh, I was going, like, this one was, I. there's 
two medals I can get, I'm leaving here with two fucking medals. Like I did, I wanted <laughs> nothing, nothing less than that. Um, but so, and especially after, after the team event went so well, it was like, all right, this is, we can do this. This is 100% doable. And like, I was jumping, I was jumping well, I was feeling good. Um, at that time, I thought I felt 100%, which is kind of what I wanted. Like, it's all you can ask for, right? Looking back to it, I'm like, yeah, I definitely did not feel as good as I probably would have if I actually did some jumps that year and did competitions and had World Cup experiences. And, you know, just my first comp setting was the Olympic Games. So just like being in the gate, knowing I'm getting judged for the first time this year, was at the Olympics, like all that um, definitely play, played a factor. But at the time, I didn't, I didn't feel like it did, or I didn't realize that it was. So I guess um, it's not something you know. Like I can't blame anything like that. I can't put any of the blame or anything on that. Like I went in to those those uh, contest days at the Olympics in Beijing, and I was feeling great. Like I was feeling like I could have won that day. 100% like there was nothing um there was nothing holding back or none of that right so which were you glad then that the team event was first that kind of you had teammates around you to kind of help there or would have you preferred to have the individual one uh first to kind of shake the cobwebs off in that competition um yeah I don't know I think it's a good thing I've thought about that um a lot and I don't really there's not like a clear answer for it um I think at the end of the day, it's just, that's the way it's done. I think it was, it, there's like, there's a lot of positive from that. There's probably a lot of positives that would come from doing it the other way, but yeah, doing it that way and having, having the team event first, is just like, it's super fun. And like, it's a, again, it's a different, different kind of stress um, for the team event than the individual event. Like the, there's as much pressure in either of the two, but I feel like, one of them, you're kind of sharing the pressure, but then you kind of also have the pressure of your teammates and you want to do good for them and you don't want to be the one that messes it up and, like, you want to make sure that it goes good for your whole team. Um, and then the individual, it's like all the pressure's on you, but then, again, the only person you're going to let out is you. So it's like there's <laughs> that part of it. But, um, I mean, there was also the – you know, we got, we did the event, we got our medals the next day. And from there, I kind of like, I wore it for a few hours that first day. We wore it to dinner, wore it around the village. And then uh, as soon as I kind of got back to my room, I just put it in, I put it in my suitcase and just like put it away. And I was like, all right, back to business, you know, none. Next event. This, this is over. Uh, yeah, exactly. For the this next, is how Penny Alexiak feels, or Michael Phelps, or Andre DeGrasse. They've got thirty thousand events they can do in their yeah, sports, I mean, right? So this is them, what they've got to do. Exactly. Another medal. I mean, I was, exactly, <laughs> I was thinking of, of exactly what I was thinking of at the time. I was like, it's crazy for them, you know. But at, at the same time, I feel like they get the practice right because they always do yeah. a lot of events and they have that. Um, because it's a new event, need. isn't it? Like in terms of not in just obviously Olympics, it was a new event, but like even on World Cups and World even on tour, it, yeah, yeah, it was fairly new, right? So this is something that you're only yeah. kind of experiencing. Which I mean, you, you mentioned the word fun. I can imagine yeah, I mean, for such an individual sport, it's something unique and interesting that you guys can experience uh, hanging out with your teammates in an event. 
Oh, exactly. And like, even the, the like the part of, you know, if, if one person falls, but then that means you're, doesn't necessarily mean your day is over. Like you, mm. you can like rally up as a team and like still make it to the next round, get another jump, get another shot at it. The scores all carry over. It's all, it's all always new. Um, and yeah, even this, this is like, we didn't do that many events and it's like, even the ones we did do, it was like, we didn't, we never had kind of our official team. I think Mia, Marion and I did two events like this was our third event um as a as that that team that combination of um of a team for team canada like so i think that that in itself makes it a little different that you know you don't have that we don't train it as as a one team thing you know it's not we don't go to train like i don't go to training and jump only with Marion or Mia and like, mm. or vice versa. Like they don't only train with me. We're all a bigger team. And so it's just, it's just kind of the funny, it's a funny situation always to like, Oh, who are we going to put in this team? And then just to have that inner, um, inner competition within the team is good too. Right. Pushes everyone. You, makes everyone strive for the best all the time. Is it a, uh- when it comes to, you know, the genders, so obviously you've got three athletes. Is mm-hmm. it two male, one female? Can you have two female, one male? Like, does it really matter how that all gets spread out? Yeah, so it's three athletes, and basically the rule is maximum of um, two of one gender. Mm-hmm. So, so you could have two female, one have, male. It doesn't yeah, have exactly. to be two male. It, okay. it doesn't matter. And then especially, um, and like you wouldn't, there would, and it would be, there's it'd probably be like there wouldn't be that much of a disadvantage to having um two females and one male on a team especially if you have girls that are doing triples because mm-hmm. girls who could be triples there's a, a a little bonus in the degree of difficulty so a girl doing like a triple twisting triple could potentially score the exact same thing as me doing a quad twisting triple so it it could be like there's 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 definitely a, a chance that we could see that in the in the future where teams just either don't have a male athlete that's or don't have two male athletes that are at that high level but they have female athletes that are really good and they'll just put that through as a team and like Australia has has uh, no they finished second they were they finished second in the past in the team event by doing exactly that. Two I was going to say we out. were talking off air, weren't we? Our issue was we didn't have a male athlete, so that's why we weren't in the mm-hmm. team event. But I, I don't doubt if Dave had gone around for one more that uh, you know <laughs> we could have covered it off with with Laura, Danny, or Gabby, and you know shoved them out there. We would yeah. be fine on the female front. Just sadly, we don't have the men, so it's um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Which, it's coming, it's coming yeah. with that new uh, new water amp that's got built up out there. And then oh, give me 10 years, I'll be on there, exactly. Up, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's going to happen. But, I mean, it's the thing that I found fascinating about the event is that you also have six nations and then you've, what, got to basically finish top four to make it through to the, the medal jump. So you, it's kind of that weird notion of you go into an event where you've got a 50% chance of a medal, but I'm sure you don't look mm-hmm. at it like that way. You're like, you're going into this, okay, well, we're going to compete our best. But getting through to the final and then when you get through to a final and you've got a 75% chance of a medal... 
I mean, it's it must be a weird mindset. But I mean, were you all three of you going into that going like we're going to medal? Like this is this is obviously a big chance, and I can imagine means a lot more to the country of Canada that you've gone twenty years at that point without a medal in any aerial skiing. So I mean, what was mm-hmm. kind of that vibe and the mindset when you went into the mixed team? Oh, I mean, we like we yeah we had talked about it a lot, and we were like. It's, I mean, we had a, a young team, right? Marianne and me are still um, super early in their career. But it was still, we, we knew, we were like, if we do the level of jumps that we know how to do and that we're capable of doing, we have a very, very good shot at a medal for this event. And like, especially for the team event where a lot of it basically just boils down to what team is going to land the most because you need, mm-hmm. You need all three scores. So if everyone in your team is landing all the time, then over like you, you will get better results than teams that are like hit or miss, right? So, and we knew that we had a really good shot because we were all like really good landers and we we were jumping well. So we're like, yeah, going into this, we thought, okay, we're we're gonna do this. And then um, even at the games at the top of the at the top of the in run in finals, when Marion fell. Um, Mia was next to her, standing next to each other. We're all stre- we're probably more stressed than she is at that point. So, you know, just like for her, like, all right, girl, come on, come on. And then she fell. Then Mia looks at me. He's he's like, how bad do you think she feels right now, man? <laughs> I was like, I think she feels pretty bad, dude. I think she feels pretty bad. But then, uh, then I was like, but she's not going to feel as bad if we do really well. And then we move on, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Then he walks away, he comes back five minutes later. He's like, well, you know what, dude? Like, at this point, she already fell. We got nothing to lose, man. Let's, like, let's go. Let's do this. Like, we could do this. I was like, yep. And then from the top, I was just watching, because they have you stand in the podium order, right? So I just, mm-hmm. I could that see awkward where little room, standing. That little room, that little area where you're sort of exactly, watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we're just, like, waddled together. And then I could see after people had gone where they'd move and then after Mia had gone and then he was in front of the Swiss team I was like oh that means I I got if I beat this last Swiss guy we're get we got a medal like all I have to do is beat this guy head to head and we'll <laughs> get a medal and I was like all right we got we got this and then yeah so it was it was a really fun really fun day and just like a fun whole situation that kind of rolled out which just for you yourself and we'll talk about the team aspect a little bit more but i mean again injury pyeongchang injury into these games just like everything that you'd gone through i mean when you heard that pop in your knee you're thinking shit i'm not even going to the olympics but here you are you've landed Mm -hmm. your jump you're guaranteed an olympic medal i mean how do you feel through that everything you've been through to know that you are going to be an olympic medalist now that you've landed that jump yeah it took it took a while to kind of Set, to kind of sit, set, sink in. Um, I think I didn't even realize that we were get, like that. I was gonna be an Olympic medalist until, until after my like until after my second event. Until I was like fully done, and I just kind of sat in my bed and I went, "Oh, whoa, I did it!" Like all <laughs> this, everything I've wanted for so long. Like I did it. All right. Um, but uh, and yeah even but then even then it was like all right i did it but now what 
I now want another. What? Yeah, it's that I athlete mindset. Well, all right, cool. Bronze is good, but silver and gold, well, they look it, a little bit better, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, this is cool, but there's another, there's more out there that I want too. So let's get, when, when do we go back to trading? Like, I, I think I came home after the games. I took like three weeks, went to ski and Revelstoke for a bit with some buddies, and then, uh, kind of got back home and was like all right i gotta i gotta start doing this again yeah oh, three and a half years around. ago oh <laughs> uh, yeah well yeah exactly it's crazy it's just the, the turnaround and everything along those lines and, and also like as i mentioned a few times too though the the drought that it broke for aerial skiing 20 years in salt lake 28 years for canadian aerial men to get a medal as well mm-hmm. so going back to what we said at the very beginning of the interview in terms of just what a medal meant for the sport how has that changed aerials you said the program's looking good but there's a possibility you might be having another home olympics in eight 12 years in canada so i can imagine that something as simple as a, a bronze medal in olympics is all of a sudden a little bit more of a fire into the program that was already improving as you were mentioning yeah and i mean it gave us um we've had to rebuild the infrastructure for our um summer training in quebec city so we're training out in Park City, or we were last summer. We're training in Park City this summer again, but now we just like we got all the money, we got all the funding we needed to get that new, uh, new and improved, bigger ramp, new trampoline area, new gym. Like we're just gonna have a way better um, hub for our sport and for freestyle as a whole. Really, more than that's the thing. It's more than just aerials because even like uh, half pipe moguls all the other disciplines of freestyle come to this this venue like and train and train there for large amounts of the summer so if we can just like improve that it's going to help it just helps every other sport too so no the 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 whole um and obviously they they there's medals coming from their side of the things too but at the end of the day it's all based on the medals that we brought back and it's all you know they don't go back to 20 years ago or 28 years ago when they won the medal, they go back to the last now. Yeah. Just exactly. Exactly. Which also the mixed teams Canada did so well. I know when we were doing our daily episodes, you know, obviously we had a bit of an invested interest in, in the ski jumping team, given we'd had a bunch of the, the girls and guys on the show before the Olympics. And then obviously the snowboard cross. So these new mixed mm-hmm. events that have been introduced in the Olympics, Canada, you do all right in the mixed events at a winter. Yeah. Olympics, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And, um, exactly before yeah it was before our team event we were in the warm-up area and uh, one of our friends that we train with in quebec from snowboard cross they uh him and his him and his teammate they they won their medal um while we were warming up and we were all just like okay man elliot elliot got his it's our turn it's our turn it's motivation this is happening oh, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a sign of it's the time all around you all around yeah. you at the Olympics. <laughs> which which I love asking too, uh, all our medalists on the show. You mentioned, you know, you win the medal, put it away, go compete in the individual event. But once you sort of can leave the Olympics, come back home, soak it up a bit, what do you do with the medal? Is it a, something you put on display, give to the parents, shove it in a shock drawer, a sock drawer? Like, what do you do with it? And I give it give it to the mom first thing <laughs> when I go home. Um, but then, yeah, so I, I mean, my, my parents have a, a little trophy case at home with a lot of my stuff in there. Um, so it, it sat in there for a week until I realized that everyone, I, everyone everywhere I went to wanted to see it and wanted 
a picture with it. So um, I carry it around with me now most of the time. Like any event Good. I go to or a lot of the things. So, yeah. Probably Special treatment? Does it get you like early access to a lift like up to the top of the hill? Like, oh, it's Olympic medalist. I get to go first here. Come on. Yeah, but yeah, every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> go back to your bar back in Quebec and like wear it around yeah. your neck, getting extra tips then. There you go. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. You walk in, skip the lineup. Yeah. You know, yeah. Look at this. Coming walk, through. Walk, heavy, walk, heavy yeah, you would walk to the front. <laughs> who do you think you are? I have an Olympic medal. Like I have no idea who you are, but that's cool. Come in. <laughs> it works. And also the more important yeah. thing, I think too, you got an Olympic medal, but you got a bloody Bing Dwendwen. And as we, we love Bing Dwendwen. Oh, it was yeah. sold out. What happened to your Bing Dwendwen? That would get you even more access. No, that that one that one stays at my mom's house, and uh, <laughs> she's way too That's scared a real to lose that. Oh, that doll, when we first got it, because we all thought it was like a porcelain mm. dummy thing. Like, so when we first got it, we grab it, and then we realize it's a little plushy toy. And like, I was just on the podium, and there was this gift that was made after um, this meme that came out of just like me, like poking this bear because i didn't realize there was stuff so i was like whoa whoa and then they're just like repeatedly just like thrusting my finger into this plushy doll that yeah it's pretty it's a pretty funny moment of uh internet internet comedy that's we need to find that i think uh so we've got some research to do after this (laughs) our new favorite gift with that which i mean obviously we've touched on milan a little bit I'm sure that's the focus now, but as I mentioned, possibility in 2010 that could be back in Vancouver. You obviously started just around Vancouver, a little bit too young for that, but I know you're only looking ahead one Olympic cycle here, but I mean, that I can imagine is a little bit of a carrot there to dangle in front of you thinking to yourself, well, I could go out. The Vancouver Olympics is what by then a five-time Olympic medalist. You went two in Milan yeah. and another two in Vancouver, right? So good way to go out. <laughs> no, it's a, uh... Yeah, if, if if Vancouver gets the games officially, then uh, that would definitely lead my retirement date, or the, the it would tip the scales uh, heavily towards not retiring. <laughs> Push it a little bit that way. It's, it's, it's an interesting oh, yeah. cycle. We're seeing it a lot here in Australia with some of our summer athletes who are in a kind of a weird age frame with a ten year mm-hmm. gap to the Brisbane Olympics. So you're gonna have a lot of athletes going. Well, I could hang around for another ten years. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it, it all depends, right? Like. It depends how these next four go and I mean, hopefully no injuries and we can stay as healthy as possible. And then, I mean, it's all, yeah, that's what it all boils down to, right? If you can stay yeah. healthy, then why stop? You, you gotta know? have one Olympics in your career, Lewis, where you don't go in injured. Like it's, yeah, just, it's, yeah. it's gotta happen. Well, <laughs> Okay, we'll go until then. How about that? Yeah, exactly. Oh God, it's twenty twenty forty. Oh, here we go. Oh well, may as well keep going. I'm not. I'm still there. You know, not injured. Which I mean, speaking of since the Olympics, so like, have you yet to have surgery with the MCL? Kind of like what's sort of happened in terms of that recovery now, and sort of uh, just entering towards another World Cup season at the time of recording this. Is that sort of just the focus now with everything? Yeah, I mean, I did. I just went back to the gym. Um, basically did everything I would have done if I would have got surgery, like post-surgery. And then it's been, it's been fine. And I don't really, it doesn't really bother me as long as I keep doing all the things I need to do to make it happy. But, uh, it's kind of how everything else goes in the summer. Like we put so much impact 
especially on the water ramp people would like people think oh because it's summer and that's where you're learning and everything it's not as bad but over time the water ramps are actually more impact than on snow like because on snow if you land it doesn't hurt and it feels perfect like it doesn't hurt that bad like it doesn't it's not that much impact when you land whereas on water whatever you do you're hitting a flat mm. surface and like it's gonna like you still have skis on your feet you know like skis don't just go through that <laughs> there's still like a smack so yeah it, it'll all depend on the on that and uh, but yeah the knees knees feeling really good and everything else has been good and summer's been going really well that we i had a competition in switzerland a week uh, 10 days ago now and finished second second there right. and um had another event last night here in utah finished sixth so it's been uh, yeah it's been a really good summer got a couple more weeks three more weeks of training before uh call it quits for the water ramping do a bit of off-season work and then it's back to finland in the dark <laughs> for wow. the Which, first camp gotta, of the season yeah i gotta imagine with water ramping like i'm not somebody who you know enjoys being wet in clothes um <laughs> i i always look at the training and think like geez like is that the most uncomfortable aspect every time a crowd oh, wet okay gotta dry off gotta go do it again like that must just be a bit of an inconvenience uh, there's a, there's not even the drying off part. You just stay just wet. Going. Wow. Soaking. I mean, the wetsuits are comfortable. That helps. Or at this time of the season, usually we start wearing dry suits. So it's like rubber seals at the neck, arms, and legs. No water gets in. I just wear my wow. face layers underneath. You stay warm and uh, kind of get through the session like that. It's basically a big old sweatsuit that you just wear for three hours in the sun. And wow, then... <laughs> which I was, I was thinking, like, it's all well and good in the snow when it's maybe, you know, minus 15 degrees or something like that. But, yeah, like when you're yeah. in, like, freaking Utah in summer, I can't mm -hmm. imagine that's exactly something that you're going to be. Because I, I was like, I'm thinking, like, do you, do you just get constant chafing with the water and the thing? But I'm glad you've got, like, sealants there that are kind of preventing yeah. you from getting in. Because, yeah, the things you think about sometimes that aren't really, uh, you know, talked no, about too much. <laughs> the, the worst part of the summer training is, is, uh, is the walking up the stairs every mm. jump you gotta walk back <laughs> up with your wet ski boots but i mean it's kind of the that's the the kind of the only real strenuous part of our yeah. everything <laughs> of else our you know sport. everything is great you know and again you're an olympic medal around. to look back at later yeah. Lewis. So you just right? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of, bit <laughs> of wet shoe whatever it doesn't matter yeah. uh Lewis, we like to close out with a set of fun get to know questions before i get to that though one thing i've got to ask you here I love on your bio on the Team Canada Olympic website, you've got here that you always have to eat Sweet Tarts candy at competitions. Now, for yeah. maybe our Australian listeners and viewers who aren't too familiar with these, what are these and, and how did this tradition start? Um, they're, just, they're just basically a hard, powdery um, sugar candy. They're just <laughs> yeah, basically compressed sugar. <laughs> uh, into these little pellets. but no I just yeah it's something I think my dad my dad just always had he that was kind of his favorite candy and then that's where I got it from but now I just I always have I, I say that now I don't have I have a bag of little right outside the door but uh no jumping I always have candy in my pockets it's just like 
in the, of know, your this... actual suits when you're jumping. So like, are these things oh, falling yeah. out on top of it? So like, if I go back and watch the footage of I Beijing, mean, I'm gonna see a couple of candies falling out of your pockets. I, I, you'll see me always try to close. You'll, you'll see me always make sure my pockets are closed <laughs> before every jump. I just nice and tight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. No candy in the pockets at all times. And, uh, Jeez. People, does it weigh you down? Like, it. It's just, like, does it not have uh, some sort of weight or? I don't know. There's. I got enough other things going on. I forget about that. <laughs> that <was a> candy. <laughs> wow. That's a poking, poking, being Dwen Dwen and shoving candy in your and mouth, then, basically. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. No, good to, good to know these. I like these little, uh, little quirks that people kind of do. Yeah. Exactly. It's all the secrets. Uh, as I said, Lewis, we, we close off a set of fun questionnaire. Now, these were given to Team Canada athletes before Rio and Pyeongchang. So you might have actually filled this out you don't have one published on the team canada website but i don't know if every single canada athlete got given one it's basically a question and answer with a variety of different things to learn about you there's a drawing element i don't know if you remember drawing pictures before <laughs> pyeongchang which again you don't have to do but it's yeah. always a option you do remember this like you remember feeling something like this i out? think i did yeah there was there was the a weekend where they had us do a bunch of meetings and stuff i might have done you might have Maybe done. Well, if, you, yeah. if you feel like digging out the drawings or you find the drawings, you can send it into <laughs> us after this and we'll put them on our social media. All right, but, uh, perfect. We'll, we'll bring back the memories here with these uh, questions then. So I'll start off with your favourite ever Olympic moment is. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna, it's, it's changed. It changed this year. It's now um, Max Perot winning his medal ah, after... Yep. Um, Coming back from the cancer. From cancer, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, good, good answer. I think we'll get a few more of those possibly, uh, you know, moving forward. But uh, you know, mm -hmm. great, great answer. There. No, and I'm like, very... yeah, Max. Sorry, I was just gonna, no, he's I was a great guy. And he deserves every second. Yeah, yeah just, yeah. I, I know him, and I was, yeah, I was just really happy to see him do well and get that. Deserves it. Did you did you get to wear his gold and think, well, this looks good on me? So I definitely have to go for gold in four years' time. <laughs> not not his, unfortunately, but uh, there's been others around. All right, good. You got the motivation going there. I, I'm very intrigued <laughs> for this one um, because you were born, I believe, the year that the Quebec Nordiques left Quebec City, went to Colorado. So this question is: as a kid, your favorite sports team was? So I mean, growing up in I don't know if this works out that you go for Colorado, you got to go for the Habs. Like maybe you don't like hockey. I don't know. So who? <laughs> I'm going to shut up and let you answer the question maybe and then we'll find um, out the answer. <laughs> now the, the Toronto Raptors were my ah. uh, my favorite team growing up. I, uh, Good answer. So this is – I don't know how to skate. Ah. Uh, so hockey was not a thing for me growing up. Interesting. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I thought there'd be much of the same thing. You can ski, you can skate. I mean I mean I can I can stand on skates and like make it around the the ring kinda, but I don't consider <laughs> okay. like, I, I can't thought... I can't do the hockey stop or the twisting, the turning <laughs> fast. I, none of that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking here that you know you'd be here like oh, absolutely. I'm a, definitely an Avs fan because they won the Stanley Cup this year. But I like the Raptors. Uh, which 2019? Where were you? Where, where did you go to Toronto? Did you celebrate? Like what? What did you do for that? Uh, I was in New Zealand celebrating. I think I was the only Toronto Raptors uh, fan celebrating in New Zealand. <laughs> I didn't go out there, but uh, I was in Montreal with some friends and. Uh, we definitely, we definitely had a celebratory night for them. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a good time. Uh, if you could be any superhero, who would you be? Superman. 
Superman. Just, over, just overpowered. Yeah. The whole flying part just be really cool. It'd make my sport really easy. I'd yeah. be really, really, really good at it. How many so flips good. do you reckon you could do in that space of Superman? More than exactly. five. It'd be like 300. How'd they mark yeah. that? You know? <laughs> I'd win everything. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. I like that. Uh, if you could be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, what would it be? Um, I wish they put like racing, car racing in the Olympics. Yeah. I want to drive an F1. It's well, funnily enough, uh, they, they released recently the, um, the potential sports for Los Angeles in 2028 and auto racing was on there. So, Ooh, um, see, yeah, it was a, I could do that after my career. You could. Yeah. So does it mean you're, are you an F1 fan? Do you sort of, do you follow it oh. or? Yeah. I mean a little bit here and there. I like watching it when I can, um, when are you, we're traveling a lot, right? So it's hard yeah. to actually. Have you kinda... been to the Grand Prix in Montreal? Yeah. Um, one of our friends or one of my teammates, Ollie Rochon, back in the day, used to get tickets for it through his uh, his agent all the like every year. And we'd go every year. We'd like, I did the thing where they have us like change the, the tire on oh, a car nice. and you're like racing and trying to do that. We weren't very good at it, but it was a lot right. of fun and uh, hanging I'm out a with massive all the celebrities. Fan. Uh, so oh, yeah. I, I, best Grand Prix I went to is Montreal. Uh, the best one oh, I've been really? to, which yeah, nice. 2017 I went. But Australian Grand Prix usually go every year. It's it's pretty good. So do you do you follow any driver in particular? I mean, obviously you've got two uh, Quebecois drivers, but I, I don't know if, uh, how many Canadians get behind Latifi and Stroll. <laughs> but uh, I mean, do you do you sort of have a team or a driver you follow closely? I mean, I like the the Max. Uh, I like the Verstappen and um, Hamilton um, <laughs> rivalry. I just you know, any competitive rivalry, um, two guys going head to head kind of thing. That's, I, I like that. All the, all the stories behind it, all the, you know, all the edits that they do and make it seem like it's the like yeah. most intense thing ever. I, I, I love that. I could watch stuff like that all day. <laughs> it's very spicy. It's very, uh, yeah. And it's, it's also just the fact that it's growing. We know drive to survive how much that sort of, uh, given yeah, uh, great a show. huge yeah. boost out there, which is, which is fantastic. Your favorite music artists are. Um, so yeah, I'm, I like the old school rap genre. So, mm -hmm. uh, Tupac, Biggie Small, Eminem, like the classics, the classic yep. rap artist works yep do you is that pump up do you put them in the you know the the headphones sort of before an event does it help you get motivated so i'm i think i'm the only one but uh i jump with my headphones in on tour like wow. competing so I, I pause it usually before um before every jump but every now and then i'll be like in the air and doing my move and it'll like i'll tap myself in a way that like starts the music and it just blares into my ears while i'm wow like mid-air flipping um so yeah, you, you, like there's video you see me like tapping my headphones on camera or stuff like that but uh but then yeah, that those those playlists vary there's kind of yeah. everything on that and i just cycle through it it's more i feel like it's almost more like give me something to do and mess around with all the time. <laughs> I've seen it as like one song, like you're always putting on lose yourself or something like that, just as you're, yeah. like you're popping down the hill or something like that. No, no, I don't have that. It's uh, it really depends on how in the moment, you know, how I'm feeling yep. at that given, given moment. And then something wow. just sticks.
I love, I love a sport where you can do that. Like I know like a lot of the half pipe, uh, you know, in snowboard and skiing, how they've got the headphones blaring. They're not here in the crowd. Oh, yeah. They've just got their plug. It's crazy just, to do that. Yeah. I mean, we usually have our coaches yelling at us mm. midair and like talking us through it a little bit. So I like it when my music's not blaring. I, I could hear them. <laughs> it's pretty helpful. I thought if you're pissed it's off with him at the certain day, like, ah, oh, shut up. Up goes the tune. Oh, there's that. Yeah. No, usually it's when I'm pissed off with me. Uh, when I'm having a shit day and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to fucking do this. I'll get it. Like, I'm going to just get it done. Everyone leave me alone. Here we go. Clear me. Tell me when there's not someone in the landing that I'm going to jump on and I'm going to go. And there you good. There you whatever. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put the challenge out to you though, Lewis. I mean, if you ever want to listen to a podcast, uh, you know, the next Olympics, put ours on, you know, that could be motivation. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Like- yeah. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really want to set yeah. off the podium. All right, let's put this on. I'll just go win a gold medal at the same time. And if it works, you're welcome. Just saying. But, hey, so, there you go. All right. I'll yeah. shout you out if it works. Yeah, exactly. You're celebrating. <laughs> yeah, woo. Love that interview. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> off the podium. Download now, world. There you go. Um, we'll get one athlete to do that one time, perhaps. Um, if you could eat only one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Say that again. I think you cut out just a little bit before you said that. I'd uh, I'd have sushi. That's an easy sushi. one. Sushi. All right. Yeah, I was, was going to say, the worst time for it to have a little cut there. I'm like, come on, what? what is it? Sushi. <laughs> but okay, sushi. Fair enough. That's, yeah. does, do they have no, um in Beijing, like obviously the food hall, like all the different cu- cuisines of the world, do they have like a sushi station at all? Or So in Pyeongchang, they had all the different cuisines of the world and like the spread of food was amazing. We had, it was everything. Beijing had very limited uh, uh, selection, damn. and uh, but the thing is, like I've been, I've had great food out in Beijing, you know, like out in the street or whatever, like the local places. We just weren't allowed to do any of that or have damn. access to it this time. So, and of course, no yeah, McDonald's was, in Beijing, right? They scrapped the McDonald's KFC. by then too, hadn't they? Oh, that KFC, KFC did this they? Time around. Oh, yeah. Okay. Decent alternative. Oh, they had Pizza Hut too. They had Pizza oh. Hut too. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I love this sponsorship that kind of, you know, changes. Like yeah, everyone talks about McDonald's and all of a sudden now it's, oh, but they've got KFC. Oh. You can get a Zinger Burger. Yeah. All right. Pizza Hut. Load it up. Yeah. Um, that's all right. Balances it out. Uh, your favorite place to compete is? Um, Deer Valley. They just, yeah, they just do it so well. I mean, the event itself is always so amazing the housing they put us up is great but belarus is where i always do the best i've never nice. gone to belarus and not leave with, with a medal so <laughs> <laughs> lucky place it's hard, Which, yeah it's like yeah, all right but i don't and they love their aerials while, don't they so. the belarusians they're, oh, they're yeah. pretty good at oh, it oh yeah 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 it's like they're so, they're it's like their national sport which is crazy that to think like, you know just yeah, it's like, what's your national sport? Errors. Okay, cool. That yeah. works. All right. Um, okay. What is your favorite thing to do in the summer? Uh, hang out with my friends and just honestly just like sit around, hang out, cook food, and really just do nothing. It's exactly. The ideal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and surfing soon, though, as we've discovered. It will yeah, be... surfing soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah coming soon. Next in interview, we'll be talking about your surfing career. <laughs> Last question for you, Day Lewis. As a kid, what was your favorite cartoon to watch growing up? Bugs Bunny. Oh, yes. The, the Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yes. Love the Remember, Looney Tunes. Seven, 7.30. Or no, it was at 8 every day. 
So me and my, like we, me and my brothers would shower, get all ready for bed right before eight. So that way we could sit and watch it until nine. And then we got to go to bed. Perfect. Those I are, like that. Which I mean, yeah. mixed with basketball then. Is Space Jam your favorite movie then? Um, it was growing up. Not The Space Jam 2 didn't do as well. In, no, uh, in no, the old heart strings. Yeah, no, no. I'm there. Yeah. Just I had to watch it. Had to. But uh, yeah. There's just something like... The original Space Jam, it kind of knows what it is. It kind of knows it's mm -hmm. Looney Tunes playing basketball with NBA players. Whereas Space Jam 2, they're like, oh, LeBron can act a little bit better than MJ, so let's give him some more material. No, that's not what you need from a Space Jam movie. It's dumb. It's Looney Tunes playing basketball with Michael Jordan. That's it. That's all you need. That's it. Don't overcomplicate it. Just give us that and there you go. The, the, the literal part of the movie when you know it's taking the piss out of itself is when Bill Murray shows up. What, what, how did you get here? I know one of the producers. It makes no yeah. sense, but it's hilarious. It's the Looney Tunes. It doesn't exactly. have to make sense. That's what's exactly. great about it. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. And it also proves definitively that Michael Jordan is better than LeBron James, let's be honest. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Yep. <laughs> that's the, that's the, that's the <laughs> argument. They're, that's they're the, level pegging. Which Space Jam uh -huh. was better? Space Jam 1. Okay. MJ is better. Definitely. That's Lewis, game. Thank you. Exactly. You're welcome. You can you can take that one to the bank. Um, <laughs> before we let you go, people who want to follow your journey up to Milan, Vancouver, beyond, uh, social media, uh, anywhere that, that way that people can stay up to date with you? Yeah. Uh, Instagram, LewisIrving7. Um, best way. Easy. Everything's on there. Simple. Yeah. Done. Lewis, mate, this has been an absolute pleasure to learn a lot. Uh, I, I am going to be crossing everything that we can see you in 2026 <laughs> without any broken parts, you know, like keep all your limbs, keep all your teeth, all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, fantastic <laughs> journey through your career. And uh, we definitely look forward to uh, seeing how you go in the future and uh, getting you back on after 2026 with a couple more medals around your neck. Hey, well, thank you very much, Ben. That was a great chat with you and hopefully uh, we Chat again soon and uh, see you around. And a massive, massive thanks to Lewis for his time learning so much about the sport. Absolutely fantastic to hear from him. And have to say that uh, I, I really want to get some of these sweet tart candy now. When I lived in Canada, I don't ever think I saw them. And if I did, I didn't eat them because for the most part, I couldn't have eaten them. But it sounds like a treat. And if you're going to fill your pockets up with them in an Olympic Games and go on to win a bronze medal, I think it would definitely help. And who knows, in 10 years' time, I could be doing that if I make an Olympics in aerials. So uh, plenty of time. I'm going to find that route into the Olympics one day. Don't worry. And you'll be playing these clips when I've won an Olympic medal. Hey, that's that guy who was a podcast host and now he's winning Olympic medals. So uh, wait and see, world. You'll see. Uh, but a big thanks to Lewis for his time and of course as always if you want to see the video version of that interview with lewis hit up our youtube channel and you can find it on there ready to go as always we have some great interviews coming your way and often i come here and i tease you what's coming up sometimes you probably listen to this little bit and go well hang on a minute that's not what happened the following week sometimes schedules change sometimes we move things around so therefore sometimes our Future thinking doesn't exactly land like Lewis does. Huh, that's a good segue. Uh, but just letting you know, I will tease my best and hopefully these will remain that way. But coming up, here's a teaser for you. In the coming weeks, 
we will going back to aerial skiing let's just flat out say that we will be continuing in this great sport of the aerial skiing the aerial skiing apparently i would say it like that that we know you love and that we love bringing to you an australian aerial skier to be precise so get pumped and excited for that we also will have next week i will spoil that right away next week we will be bringing the gang back together jared colin and myself for another episode that we know you love and enjoy and we love and enjoy bringing to you there's a bit of a trend here clearly uh, essentially that way also coming your way we have an olympic gold medalist from tokyo in 2020 we have an Olympian from Tokyo 2020 in a sport that we have never covered before on Off the Podium. It involves a ball and a racket and a net. There's two sports that we've never covered involving a ball, a racket, and a net. So it's going to be one of those ones. We've also got some great Olympians coming your way too. And I will tease this one. This is one that I'm actually very excited for, and I think you'll, you'll get where I'm going with this. We have an athlete who's not an Olympian. But next year could be an Olympian in a brand new sport. And there's only one new sport that is coming to the Paris 2024 Olympics. And this is a sport that we are so excited and intrigued and interested to see. And we have lined up Australia's best male athlete in this sport with big Olympic aspirations for Paris 2024. And I'm so looking forward to bringing this interview for you. To you, I should say. For you, to you. It can be all of them above. So tune in for that. Tune in across the coming weeks because we seriously have some great episodes and interviews for you. It's an exciting time to be a fan on Off the Podium and we are very excited for you to be part of this journey. But right now, I am going to plug the social medias as I always do. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Get on there. Search for Off the Podium. Follow us. Support us. We love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know who you want on the show. Let us know who you don't want on the show. Maybe there's someone like, ah, I don't like this athlete. Never get them on. And we'll go, okay, cool. We won't get them on. Just a random thought. I've never offered that uh, little thing to do before. So today's the first time for that. And subscribe. All the good podcast channels, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, PigeonFlying.com. I don't even know if that's a real thing, but if it isn't, it is now. Sign up to all of them. Helps us out there. Leave us some feedback. Give us a rating. We'd love to hear what you think of the show in that capacity as well as we've got some great, great stuff coming your way. We've already had some great, great stuff, of course, leading into 2023, but we've got plenty more to come in our first non-Olympic year in like two years. So not a whole lot maybe to talk about in that perspective we should hopefully know the host of the 2020 uh, 2030 olympics this year so uh that's one thing to look forward to so anyway lots to come on off the podium though big thanks again to lewis big thanks to everybody for tuning in and listening to the show today as always shout out to the birmingham bull my name is ben this is off the podium and remember to go left when the stars make it through just like pasta when you dance down the street with the cloud at your feet, you're in love. When you walk in a dream, but you know you're not dreaming, Senor. But you see back in old Napoli, that's a morning.